0: We're finishing up Hope Has a Name, like Jonathan mentioned. And this is the last week. Louie and Shelly aren't here. They're they're at a small awards show called the Grammys, which is tonight. And uh, our own David Crowder is nominated for a Grammy. I love it because it seems like every year there's Grammy Sunday, which I'm fired up about because I usually get to preach. And... We get our guys keep getting nominated for Grammys, and then I get the shot to lead our church. But it really is a huge honor, and we're actually going to end it a little bit differently today. And I, you just think about the, the phrase, hope has a name. And yes, we have a hope that's sure and steadfast, but what, what does that mean for our lives? And once we know the hope, um, where do we go from here? What do we do from here? And speaking of names, isn't that one of the worst feelings on the planet is when you're supposed to remember somebody's name you, like, or you know their name and you just have like a brain freeze or they know your name and then you don't know their name in return. Like, is that just me or is that the worst? Like, I cringe inside. And, or the, the flip side of that is if you know that one person that does not remember your name yet, you've met them three, four, 20, 30 times And it's like, come on, bro. When are you gonna remember my name? If I've done that to you, I just apologize. (laughs) It's a little confession, but um, it's crazy. You know, you you forget somebody's name, and you're like, ah, like, hey, bro, what's up, man? Yo, dude. You know, and next thing you know, you've called them dude 18 times in three minutes, and it's like it's pretty obvious. Girls have it a little tougher. Y'all can't, you know, y'all only got really one word, one one word. Can't go bro or dude. You might, but um, what's up, girl? You know, (laughs) hey, girl, how you doing? It's like, AKA, we don't know your name. So we're just using that over and over again. I used to be good at my younger age. I'm getting old now. We don't remember people's names for the most part, because when they actually say their name, we're not listening. You know, you're like, you're so, we get so worried about making sure our name comes out right, that we get it, you know, remember our name and wonder how we come across and what they think about us. And they say their name and we have, like, it just went in one ear and out the other. I wasn't even listening, wasn't even paying attention. It's because we're not listening, we're more worried about our own name. And we're coming down to the end of this series. And can't that be true of our hope in Jesus? We get so caught up or so focused Or even celebratory. We're like, man, we know the name. Yes, hope has a name. His name is Jesus. We've got it. He's sure. He's steadfast. We can count on him. Praise God. Sing at the top of our lungs or, you know, sing with a golf clap and a whisper, whatever your style is. But then we we really forget about all the people who don't know the name, who don't know the hope. What we cling to, what we celebrate, what we're so thankful for, there's a whole world just right outside these walls. It's a whole city. Schools full of, workplaces full of people who don't know the hope that we have in Jesus. That's one of the things I love, by the way, about our church is because every Sunday, whoever walks up on this stage, um, Louis led us to always remember there's people from all different journeys All different paths, all different backgrounds. And so, yeah, there's a lot of us who've grown up in the church, put our faith in Jesus, um, really needing the encouragement that comes from being under the word of God and lifting our song and worship. But There's also people walking in like no clue, not sure what's going on. And you could be sitting next to somebody today, and I love that. It's like, man, I'm just hearing about this Jesus really for the first time. You know, we think they got it all down. They figured it all out. Speaking of Crowder, I I remember once uh, Christmas Eve after the gathering, I, we had Crowder lead. And some people thought it was really cool that we had a homeless guy come and lead during Christmas Eve. And if you don't know Crowder, you look him up. I mean, it, it's it's not their fault, you know. It's really David's but um, because there are beard trimmers. <laughs> I hope he wins a Grammy so we can just see it on on the screen. But there's people coming through every Sunday. We always want to have our eyes open, right? Because if hope has a name, his name is Jesus. If we really believe it, who Jesus is and what he's done, then yes, we will celebrate, yes, we will sing, yes, we will live our lives differently, yes, we will worship with all we've got, but we also quickly need to move into action because there's people living every day of their lives without that hope. People going through their days, going through their seasons, going through their years without something sturdy, something that won't last, something that won't come through. Church, our eyes have got to be open. Yes, we know the name. We've got that down, but we quickly need to remember, be thinking about, be shifting our prayers and our lifestyle to help all the people who don't know the name hear the name and know the name. So what Peter was saying in Acts chapter 4, there's a a lot of context to this that we don't really um, have a time for because of what's coming next, but... You know, the, Jesus has died. Jesus is ra- has been raised from the dead, appeared to his disciples, ascended to heaven. The church is born. People getting saved left and right. Thousands of people in the first few days, first few messages getting saved, putting their faith in Jesus. But there's also persecution. There's also people that wanted to put a stop to what Peter and John, all the apostles, were teaching. And, you know, and, and I'm going to read it to you, but their message is the same as our message. 2,000 years ago, what what Peter and John were preaching is what we're preaching. What the lead story was back then is the lead story now for the church, that Jesus is alive and Jesus is on the move. That's still the same story. Verse 5, they've been arrested. They're appearing before the court, the religious leaders of the day. There's been a man that's been healed by the power of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus and things are going out of control for the religious leaders, So let's bring them in. Let's, put, let's figure out what they're talking about and figure out how to stop them. And this is what, what went down. The next day, the rulers, elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there. And so was Cephas, John, Alexander, and the other men from the high priest family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question this. By what power or what name, come on now, did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness showed to a cripple and asked how he was healed, then know this. Come on, here it is. You and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Side note, whom you've crucified, but God's raised from the dead. It's by that power that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the cornerstone you builders rejected, which has become the capstone. And then here it is. Salvation is found in no one else. Imagine that. Peter standing before the religious leaders. Probably all kinds of people listening in. The rulers of the day and he stands up bold and he says here's what you need to know the message is essential the stakes are high we're here to announce what we believe he says salvation is found in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved yes amen praise god Jesus is life. He saves us. But there's a weight to that. Consider the magnitude of that. Think about the names of people in your world or people around the world who are putting their hope in another name themselves, another religious leader, moral teacher. Um, philosophy, philosopher. This is the scripture. This is what we believe. Those won't save anybody. No other name. Yourself, a a relationship, a bank account, a job, a list of good works, your charitable giving, maybe what your grandmother or your mother believed. It's not their name that saves. It's the name of Jesus that saves. And so that's why church, with all my heart, I'm appealing to you, appealing to us, charging us. It's like, yes, thank God there's a name that saves. But come on, we can't forget about the people who don't know the name. We end with our eyes open, on our knees praying, and moving into action because we know the name we want others to know the name of Jesus. For us, that's a, the heartbeat, a growing heartbeat of our house is winsome. You may have heard about that a lot. You might even be thinking, man, when are they going to talk, quit talking about being winsome? When are they going to talk, quit talking about Jesus' life and light bulbs and, you know, that whole winsome thing? Hopefully Never. And hopefully you'll never get tired of hearing it because we, I, I'm at the top of the list. I've got to be reminded. I could get so preoccupied with me. I could get so in the what's in it for me syndrome. I could even roll into church thinking about only what I'm going to get out of it and where I'm going to park. But it's, y'all probably didn't think that way. you just, hearts were pure and motives were right. So easily forget that there's people all over the city, all over the world who don't know the name, and so we're just going to keep pushing Winsome up. Might be called something different, but for us it's always going to be a heartbeat of the house because it's the heartbeat of Jesus. You might have seen a shortened version of this documentary at Christmas Eve or on the online, but actually today, to challenge us and to inspire us, to open our eyes, we're going to watch the full-length Winsome documentary, which is really powerful, and then I'll come back up at the end and lead us in a response so check this out
1: passion city church is a relatively new church still we're a very young church and Every church that plants, like Passion City Church, plants with the pioneering spirit. We're headed out, we wanna reach a community or a neighborhood or city in our case with the story of Jesus, with the grace of Jesus. And so when Passion City Church was born, it was born on a mission with that pioneering spirit leading us forward. But it was amazing for me and our team as leaders of this house to realize how fast the pioneering mentality can shift into a settler mentality and we can lose that sense of what Jesus sent us out in and lose vision of a city, in our case a city of six million
2: I didn't grow up in a house with faith. My dad's Jewish, my mom's Catholic, neither one practicing. So growing up, Jesus wasn't a factor in my life. Uh, So when I got married and entered what turned out to be a pretty rough marriage, I didn't have Jesus to get me through that.
3: There was a point in my life where I was actually going through a pretty rough time. I was with my ex-fiance for five years. September of last year, the engagement broke off. They didn't really go the way I had planned it. Started drinking a lot, and I don't drink a lot at all. So it was just like a really rough time that I was going through. God wasn't a factor.
4: So I grew up in a Christian family. Uh, We went to church every Sunday. It was like regular Christian family, and one day my dad came in my room and was like, I have to tell you something. And he told me that my mom and my dad, they would be getting a divorce. From fifth grade to 11th grade, I was just holding on to so much anger. and. I was, you know, so mean to my mom saying I hate you and things like that, and I wasn't aware that, you know, she was the one that was providing for me and my sisters and stuff like that. Um, I was just so angry. Well,
1: the church is a living thing, and so the church is either moving forward or the church is moving backwards, but I think there's no neutral ground for the local church so every pastor's always got his finger on the pulse of, are we moving forward or are we moving backwards? Because we can't sit still, there is no sitting still. I was reading in 1 Corinthians 9 a passage that we all know so well and that Paul's writing here and this is what he says. He says, though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. And then the end of the paragraph, he says, "I've become all things to all men, so that by all possible means I might save some." And so, in the first part he says, "You know, honestly, I'm I'm free in Christ, but I'm choosing to become a servant to every person so that I may win some." And we, words matter around Passion City Church, and that seemed like the right hook for us, and so. We put forward this idea of doing a whole series at the beginning of 2014 around the idea of Winsome. And it was a play on words, because we want to be the kind of people that don't reach the city by force, but reach the city by being the kinds of people who live an irresistible life, and who understand that there is an irreducible minimum in the heart of every single person. And what people need the most is Jesus. At the end of it all, people need Jesus. And so we built a series around that theme and around that idea and began the year calling our house
5: up to that central purpose and mission of Jesus. So in the Winsome series, I I think one of the, the greatest things that I was challenged with was to make relationships with people and to share the person of Jesus. And then two, Pastor Louie mentioned seeing the people. That was just so different to me than just the concept of like, oh, I gotta go share the gospel. I gotta witness to people. Um, you know, it's very different. It's it's more relational. It's more like once you see people's needs, you see where they're at in their life, you see their circumstances, you see their interests, you see their passions. You know, you start really seeing how the person of Jesus meets those people where they are, and then you get to share the good news of Jesus with them.
2: Three and a half years ago, I left my marriage. I was married to an alcoholic, and I needed to get myself and my daughter out of that situation. So it was one of the hardest things that I've ever had to do, and I had nothing to lean on. My friends started playing some worship music, and I broke down in tears because I realized I I can't do this on my own. I needed somebody to take this from me. I started going to church, uh, not regularly, so there was nothing that I really clung to. I would go and I'd hear the message and I'd get it and go about my day and nothing really came from it. And it wasn't until this past spring when a friend of mine, we were talking and uh, he knows my whole story and knew how broken I was and how down I was and said, I want you to come to Passion City. I talked to G,
4: who's the leader at Grady, And he said, come to camp with us. And I went to camp and I just learned so much about Jesus. And I've always knew about him, but I didn't know like all the wonderful things that he could do. And after Young Life Camp, I wanted to know more about him. And G texted me and he said, you're going to Passion City Camp. You're going to camp. And I said, yeah, I don't really know. And he said, you're going. And I went and I started coming to Passion City.
1: Well, we knew we wanted to start the year with the Winsome Series, and we're a very visual people. Passion City Church is, um, you know, we, we want to be creative, and we want to engage people long before they get in a seat in the auditorium, and we want to inspire them on the way out. And the main idea behind this series is that we want to. See the city come to know Jesus so this isn't going to be a three-part four-part five-part series it just fades away we want this to be a durable mainstay in our hearts and in our thinking all year long so we started throwing around ideas what kind of visual can bring this series to life and i don't remember all the ideas we started with we just kept kicking it around it seemed like several weeks ideas were floating some good some not so great and then our production
6: team came up with what i thought was a brilliant idea we kept going through all these ideas and nothing was really connecting. Um, nothing was really matching the heart of what we wanted it to be. Nothing was uh, this symbol that we really wanted to have happen. And so um, the timeline kind of kept dwindling down and kept getting closer to when we were gonna launch this Winsome series and all of a sudden we're like, okay, we've gotta figure this out. So several of our team went and sat down at a coffee shop across the street and we're like, what can we do? And we kept racking our brains and the ideas kept getting uh, more and more uh, Seemingly ridiculous because we couldn't get anything that really connected with uh, the heart of this. And all of a sudden, this idea came out of nowhere of what if we did light bulbs? And what if we created this surface that you could screw light bulbs in and it could be this beautiful image of people coming from death to life and from darkness to light? Uh, and so we were like, this is it. Like we just paused in this moment and said, this is it. This is the idea. Uh, and immediately started going now how are we gonna pull this off? Um, and being the production people and the and the logistical side of this, we're like, we've got a great idea. This is a mountain that I have no idea how we're gonna accomplish. And I still remember in those moments going, this is not possible to pull off in this timeline that we have. Um, but we were convinced this was the idea that we needed to do. Once we had this idea, we had to figure out where in the building this would go and, and what kind of form factor it would take on. and. Uh, The area just outside our auditorium, our pre-gathering space, we call it the oval, had this massive wall that was like the perfect canvas for this idea. Um, The only problem is it's a dramatic curve. How do you mount something that's... uh, flat on a curved wall. One of the guys finally came up with this idea of how he could mount it and uh, he had figured out it could almost be like a kitchen cabinet kind of thing where it would hang off the wall um, and then would be anchored into the bottom and, and this is a brilliant idea of how to do that. So once we had figured it out, we wanted bulbs, we had this wall and we had these sockets. We had to figure out how were we were going to arrange this. Was this going to... Uh, just be one big wall of of sockets and uh, quickly we realized we wanted to put a word around this we wanted to put some verbiage around this and so we started figuring out how we could arrange these sockets in a way uh, that it would would reveal a word as the bowls were being um, screwed in and lit up so we looked at different words we looked at um, saying Jesus or alive or life uh, or even winsome and eventually uh, as our team went back and forth we, figured we landed on Jesus' life, um, which was such a beautiful metaphor of not only um, people putting their faith in Jesus, but people that we were praying for that um, they would find life in Jesus.
5: So one day I was at the mall with my friend and we were in the van store and he was going to buy something there and we ended up meeting this guy at the store and he turned around and talked to us asking us for some advice for something he was buying.
3: I was in the store looking at skateboard shoes. They were over there talking about the skateboards as well, so I started talking to them, trying to get their advice on skateboards because I haven't skateboarded since I was 13. I'm 26 now. And um, so we you know, started some
5: conversation. We saw that there was a connecting point. And we ended up getting each other's numbers. About a week
3: or two later, I texted him saying, hey, what's up, this is Sean. I finally got my skateboard. And he was like, hey, bro, like, let's go to the skateboard park and try it out. And it
5: was amazing because um, You know, he didn't know anything about my story. I didn't know anything about his story. And uh, that morning, I had read this psalm, and it was so cool because what he was telling me was just perfectly related to that. And so, you know, here we are at the skate park, and I pull out my phone and you know go to my Bible app. And um, he he had no idea probably that I was a Christian. I didn't know if he was
3: at all. He asked me to come to his church. I was like, okay, sure, like. I never really had nobody invite me to a church like that before and um, and he came for the first time.
2: I somehow got tickets to the sold out Good Friday concert and went with a couple of my friends and we were sitting there at the back of the amphitheater, half under the cover, half getting wet, but just it was amazing. And towards the end, you know, it, Louis started speaking and talking about Jesus dying on the cross that we could come as we are. And I was like, that was what I needed to hear. I needed to hear that, that it doesn't matter how messed up I am, what kind of mess I'm living in, that Jesus died for me. The minute Louis finished, Crowder stepped up to the microphone and I looked outside and it's pouring down rain and it's coming in sideways and you expect you would hear it, but it was silent and all I could hear is him singing, Come as You Are, which has become like my song. And I just knew something was happening. I was feeling something was happening. So I came back on Easter, and I was sitting in almost the exact same spot, and my friend who had invited me to Passion City was sitting right next to me. Um, and when I heard the, the words, you know, if, if you're ready to accept Jesus in your life, please stand, and I remember looking at my friend and I said, I'm, I'm standing.
4: Passion City Camp was definitely when I was like, this is this is for me, and I know that Jesus will work miracles. The first night he had these letters, and one of them was like, this is to the person that's been here, done this. I feel like that letter was for me because he talks about how like I've been to camp and I've done this and I've done that, like I really don't have to listen. That was my spirit when I first went. And then once he read that, I just opened my heart, and I just felt Jesus
5: like pour all of his like love and stuff like that into me. It was right after baptisms. So this is right after people were just telling their stories of how they'd come from death to life. Sean's right next to me, and he's like, Hey, like, can, can I get baptized? <laughs> and I was like, what? I was, I was like yeah let's talk about it afterwards I was like this is amazing this is so cool I asked him he's coming he's asking me if he can get baptized and then Louie gets further into the invitation
3: I started listening to what Pastor Louie was saying and it was like I felt like the spotlight was on me like some of the stuff that he was saying I was like that he was saying I was like wow like is he talking about me but he's not looking at me like he's looking at everybody else but he's talking about me so I tap my friend on the shoulder, like, so when do I raise my hand? Like, do I raise it now, or do I wait till he look at me, or what? And I was just like, this is
5: nuts. Like, what is this?
3: One guy stood up and said, I want to put my faith in the God, and then I was like, you know what? I want to put my faith in the God, too, because a lot of the thing that he was saying was about me. At Passion City Church, we
1: still believe that if given the opportunity, people will put their faith in Jesus. Not everybody and not every time. In fact the passage we talked about earlier in 1 Corinthians 9 it said even though I'm free I make myself a slave to everyone so that I might win some. Everybody doesn't believe every time but if the gospel is presented, if Jesus is presented, then people want to put their faith in Him. A few weeks ago, we came out of baptism, and the stories were so powerful. I just said before even giving the message, maybe somebody wants to put their faith in Jesus right now. And a guy, about 10 rows back, just raised his hand and said, I do. You know, this is what people want. People see the life change in other people. They see the power of what God's doing in the lives of the people around them, and they want that same power in their life. In fact, at Passion City Church, we say it this way, Our lead story is that Jesus is alive. You know, in every church, there are many, many stories, some good, some bad, some important, some less important. And at Passion City Church, we we know there's a whole newspaper. There are things we need to work on, things we need to fix, there are things we need to improve, there are things that uh, that we love, there are things that um, are important. But there is a headline of our newspaper, and that headline is, Jesus is alive. When He is alive in the lives of people, other people see that power, they see that change, and they want that opportunity. And so week after week, gathering after gathering, people stand or say, I do, or raise their hands and say, I wanna put my faith in Jesus. And what I love about that is, is we have a space at Passion City Church called our Access Space. And it's just a room where people can come to meet up with someone on our team and say, I was one of those people today. That either stood or raised my hand and I want to pray with somebody even though I just got to pray with Louie, and he helped me verbalize my faith and trust in what Christ has done for me I can pray with a real person and anyone can come there for prayer they can come there just to meet someone on our pastoral team but that access space is located right underneath the Jesus is life wall and most gatherings at the end of that gathering you'll see a person coming out with a family member right beside them the person they've just prayed with in the access space, a light bulb in their hand and they're walking out the door right around the corner and our team's helping them put that bulb in the wall. And you'll hear a little whoop or a shout or some applause happen. You'll be somewhere else in the building after gathering and you'll hear, oh, somebody just put a bulb on the wall. And it's their friends, their family are gathered around and they're celebrating that moment. And one thing that we really didn't factor in that the Jesus is life wall has done, it's created a celebration moment for people. And this oval has got a concrete floor and a high 30-foot something ceiling and it's got great acoustics. And when 15 people are cheering for their friend or their family member, it reverberates all over the whole house. And if you're in a door holder meeting or you're in a planning meeting for the next gathering or you're you're in between having a break time and you hear that you go yes this is what our house is about
2: We circled up as we always do in perimeter community group and Brad was like hey Karen can you step forward for a minute I was like uh okay Um, And my friend was there and Brad said to me, hey, have you gotten your light bulb yet? I said, no, not yet. So my friend that had been praying over the light bulb and praying over me, stepped forward and gave me my light bulb in front of our entire community group. So after that, Brad said, well, we're, we're all here. Why don't we go out with Garen and put her light bulb in the wall? So after we said our, our ending prayer, we all walked out here and our entire community group was there rallying behind me, cameras everywhere, videos, pictures, and I stood up on the ladder and screwed my light bulb and into, into the Jesus Life wall, which was just amazing. I think through shaking and tears and just excitement, and it was it was amazing to see everybody there.
3: Just like after that whole rough year, I was like, it's time for me to make a change in my life. So I told... In that room, I told him what I wanted to do. Then he was like, "Hey, bro, let's go put that light bulb in." I'm like, okay, cool. So I got grabbed the light bulb, climbed on top of a ladder, put my light bulb in the wall, and it was like the whole room like started clapping like I've never. Like I was looking around like, oh, where did you guys come from?
4: I could not stop smiling. Um, when I put in the light bulb and all of my family group was behind me and Brittany and Anna, my leaders, they were just there and everyone was clapping. There's a picture and my smile is like from here to here. like.
1: Well, the great news is coming to the end of this year, there are 544 bulbs in the Jesus Life wall. That's 544 lives who have moved from death to life and who now have a relationship with Jesus Christ and that is incredible. And the great thing about that is is that doesn't represent every single person that's put their faith in Jesus at Passion City Church this year. I'm sure there are people in every gathering that genuinely are putting their trust in what Christ has done for them, but maybe they didn't make it out to the access space, they didn't get a bulb students at camp or people in a, another setting of our house who putting their faith in Jesus. So there's a lot more people, but even just the 544 bulbs representing moms and dads and brothers and sisters and people of all kinds and all walks of life is so exciting. But at the same time, there are a lot of empty sockets in the Jesus is life wall, and we don't have a numerical goal. We just wanted the Jesus is life wall to be as big as it is, to really dominate the oval of our house and stay front and center in our hearts and in our thinking. So we know there's a lot more room in that wall and that is the reality of our city. There are millions of people in this city who need to hear the story of Jesus. And so as a house, we walk in and out of gatherings and we look up at that wall and we say, God, it's incredible what you've done, especially when you look bulb by bulb and story by story And people can tell the story of that person and we see how much God has done to change that story from death to life. And so we celebrate that every time we look at the wall. But then we lift our eyes up to the city and we say we're celebrating people who've come to know Jesus and we are still praying for and believing for the people who haven't. And we're not gonna give up on that. And you know, we may not see it this year. Someone may not see their bald come to life this month, this year, or in their lifetime. But we have confidence and faith that we are praying into the heart of God for people. Because he said it's his desire that all men would be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And so we're gonna keep believing and praying, and even, I don't know how long this wall is gonna be in our oval, but if it goes away, the winsome spirit cannot die at Passion City Church. Because when the winsome spirit dies, the church So we want to keep that spirit alive we want to keep our eyes open and out to see the people of the city and we want to have the courage not just to tell them something but we want to have that honest spirit of christ in us to live something in front of them a life that shows them and doesn't just tell them that jesus is alive and he is alive in
0: It's awesome you know those are uh, way more than light bulbs it's way more than cool design piece in our oval but it's people it's stories it's families that are being changed jesus bringing life i'm looking at karen on the second row right here and Karen, you did amazing, so powerful. Thank you for sharing your story for our church and for the world. And uh, I think everybody wants to say thank you to you. You know, Karen is a friend of mine and Brittany's. And she is in the flow, in the fabric of our church. She's in our community group, part of Flourish Mentorship, being, you know, discipled and mentored by an older woman. You know, if I brought Karen up here, her story wouldn't be, man, I put my faith in Jesus and everything is perfect. I have not had one problem. My, you know, like my, I've gotten three promotions, my salary's tripled. Uh, I won the lottery and my daughter has never talked back to me once since. You know, we actually did meet recently and her story is, you know, my circumstances aren't much different, but my outlook, my purpose my foundation completely 180 degree change she said in her own words that there would be a, there's a joy an overflowing joy and sense of fulfillment and purpose in her life that was completely foreign to her and when her life you know had hit rock bottom this is her words she her thought was why me God, why am I going through this? Why I have to deal with this? Why, why is this happening to me? But now her story is God has a beautiful plan. And God found me at the rock bottom. And he's taken my ashes and he's turned it into a beautiful story. And God's using her. Isn't it awesome? She would have probably never thought, man, God, this is what God's going to do in my life and through my life. But God's using her to bring it, be, be such an encouragement to us. Because it's the same with Sean, it's the same with Ashley, it's the same with people. And sure, everybody is, you know, trying to figure things out. Nobody's perfect. Nobody has it all together. That's what Karen would say. He says that Jesus is changing her. Jesus has saved her. Jesus is like working and building and and moving in her life. And things are different. It wasn't just a one-time event. But there's a hope. There's a foundation that she has with Jesus. And that's what, you know, the scripture says, Romans, Paul said it. He says, um, if anyone would call on the name of Jesus, they can be saved. We talked about Peter saying there's no other name, no other path, no other option. But the flip side of that is there is a name. Right, church? There is a name that saves. There is a name that brings life. There is a name that sets people free. There is a name that wipes away the guilt and wipes the slate clean. There is a name by which men are forgiven, women are forgiven, our our sins are removed as far as from the east is from the west. There's There's a name that makes that available, that makes that an option. Church, there's a name, we believe it, right? That puts us in right standing with God, not because of who we are or what we've done, but because of who he is and because of what he's done. Do you know there's a name? Yeah, come on. There's a name that brings us near. It says God's able to save all those who come to him through Jesus. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I am the life. And, but no one, Gets to God except through me. There's a name that we can get to God. There's a name, we were singing it earlier, that we can draw near to God. There's a name we were shouting it earlier that takes away not just part of our sin, but the whole. And that's the message. That's the hope. That's what we believe and that's what we need to share. That's what we need to stand, that's what we're standing on, but that's also what we need to be announcing to the world we can't lose sight we can't forget we can't ignore we can't just get preoccupied with what we need or what we've got going on what will make us feel better what's you know going on in our life we have to remember we have to step into action for all the people who don't know the name so what's your response? What's my response? A couple things. It's really simple. In light of a name that saves, one for some people, you need to take a light bulb today. Maybe put one in as a faith in Jesus, but more as a visible reminder, walking out of here, that you want to pray, that you want to remember, that you want to believe for God, bringing salvation, bringing in lot, bringing life to people that you know. That's originally how we started this thing. Take a light bulb and remember people. Take a light bulb as a visible reminder of the people in your life who don't know Jesus. If you want one, you can grab one on your way out the door. They won't think you're stealing one. They won't charge you for it. You could leave it a little money. No, I'm kidding. Just take a light bulb, um, especially for the Karens that are in the room. The number now, look that video is a few months old, but the number now is 768 people have put a light bulb in the wall. And actually, it's gone up from there because this morning, several people in response to what God was doing today have put their faith in Jesus. There were celebrations. Um, there were cheers and shouts going down at the 10 a.m. this morning. But especially if you put your faith in Jesus, you need to now take a light bulb because that's how the gospel works. It's not terminal. It doesn't stop with us, but it passes through us. God changes us, and then through us, he changes the world. The gospel that stops with you and stops with me is a watered-down gospel. The gospel that doesn't, that doesn't work itself through us is not the full gospel. Yes, you know the name, but God wants, his, wants to use you so other people can know his name. And let's remember also the people around the world that never even heard the name. Second, this is convicting, but the challenge is to pray for people. And so simply put, the next step, some of your steps just need to be to actually pray for people. If there's only one name that saves, if there's only one name that gets us to God, then why don't we pray? Why don't we fall on our knees for people that God would open their eyes so they could know the name. Church, if we really believe it, then we'll start praying. If we really start locking eyes with Jesus, then our heart's going to break for the world around us. We need to pray. Number three, be intentional or create margin. I went to school with, um, you know, it was probably the largest Christian university in the world. It's Texas Texas A&M University. It's not a, thank you for the gigum, but it's not a Christian school, but it, it's a public school, but there are more Christians on that campus than possibly any other campus in America and the world. But the problem is, I mean, the, the revival's not breaking out. Where's the disconnect between, you know, thousands of Christians, but also uh, lots and lots of people that aren't, you hearing about following Jesus? But it's because when I was there, the Christians all clumped together. Every single night there'd be a different Bible study. You'd have some people that'd be so spiritually fat because they would just seclude themselves in the bubble and go to one Bible study after the next, one gathering after the next, but there were no margin. There was no time. There was no opportunity to be around people who did not know Jesus. It's not God's will for you and I to form a clique that we never go outside of or an elite country club that doesn't have room for more people who don't know to come into our presence. Let's create margin. Let's be intentional. Let's go out of our way to be with the people who don't know Jesus. The fourth thing is we need to reflect the hope that we confess. I can't tell you if you reflect it or not, I mean, I, I, if we knew each other real well, I could I could tell you. I'm, I'm, I know Karen real well. She's reflecting the hope that she confesses. You know, First Peter three fifteen it says, "In your heart, set apart Christ Jesus as Lord, and always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have." It's awesome, isn't it? Be ready to tell people about the hope. Hope has a name. When people ask, you, you, that's when you take your shot, that's when you got your moment. Tell them your hope is not because of who you are, what you've done, your hope because of Jesus, what he's done. But what that assumes is that people are asking. And if people aren't asking, it might be because we're not reflecting the hope that we confess. They might not be asking because they look at their lives and our lives and see nothing different than the rest of the world. And so therefore, they don't want what we have. A winsome life, a Jesus life is attractive to the world because it's different and it projects something. It projects, you know, a hope, an outlook that's so different than the rest of the world. But for some of you today, I don't need to convict you, the Holy Spirit's convicting you. You're like, yeah, this is maybe why people aren't asking. This is what I'm stuck in. This is what I'm doing the rest of the week when I'm not in church. This is, you know, what my life looks like. Maybe that's why people aren't asking. You need to reflect the hope that you confess. I don't know what number I'm on, but I'll just say five. Um, is it five? Uh, it's just, actually, it's a test on you to ch- see if you're listening. Take a shot. Be bold. That's what Peter and John did. Wasn't because they were anything special. In verse um, 13, it says, actually, it was the boldness and the courage that people were amazed by, but they were common, ordinary men. But they had spent time with Jesus and they had a message to share. When you and I remember, well, when you and I are spending time with Jesus and then we remember how high the stakes are, that there's no other name that saves, then we're going to be bold. Then we're going to be courageous. Then we're going to share the hope that we have. I was in the Alpharetta community group earlier this week. Guys stood up to tell a Jesus story. They were in like a cafeteria, a work cafeteria. And he got, the, he got all the way to the end of the conversation talking about life and faith in Jesus where he said, hey, do you want to put your faith in Jesus? Across the table with a friend, he took a shot. He was bold. He had me on the edge of my seat telling me the story. And the guy didn't pray right there to receive Jesus, put his trust in him but come on that guy took a shot and he was bold when was the last time you and I got all the way to that point in a conversation that's what God has for us that's what he wants to do through us we're common ordinary Peter John common ordinary but through spending time with Jesus and remembering the magnitude the weight of the message how high the stakes are we're moved to action we're moved to boldness. We're moved to courage. You know what's pretty awesome about all the stories that we just heard? Is that they all involve people. Karen's, somebody praying for her, inviting her to church. Sean, guy at the van store. Ashley, guy, a leader that invited her to camp and some family group leaders that are around her. People's Jesus stories involve people. God uses people to save people. So if you're coming in here every week, let's like have a heart, God, like, I want to be a people. I want to be somebody in the Jesus story. I want to get to heaven and people look at me and go, you know, I don't know if I would be here if it weren't for you. Jesus did all the saving, but he used you. Thank you. Is what I, I, want to, I want somebody to say man thank you so much for being available for noticing me, for seeing me for reaching out to me, for speaking truth to me, for being a visible expression of the hope of Jesus to me I want to hear those stories not for my glory but because they're in heaven you know I'm like man thank you God for using me and the last thing the last step is some of you need to call on the name Jesus. You've been looking to all these other names. You've been going after all these other options, looking through, you know, researching all the other, other routes or building a life of hope, putting your hope in yourself or your good works. Call on the name of Jesus because He's the only name who saves. He's the only one who saves. That's what Karen, Sean, and Ashley did. But also in the last few weeks, few months, Daniel, story about leaving the party scene, the drugs and the girls to find his hope in Jesus. Joey, just two weeks ago, showed up at a community group. God invited him to coffee and then to sit with him at church on Sunday. That Sunday was the day he put his faith in Jesus. Another, Ashley, her story, she grew up into church always knowing about God, but never knowing Jesus She slowly drifted, but just a few weeks ago, put her faith in Jesus. Ross, he was the guy that was working his way to heaven. Went through launch, and he said, what I do is never going to be good enough. I'm putting my faith in Jesus. A father, Ivan, his son passed away. And just a couple days after that, hope of Jesus was at the bottom. He said, I'm putting my hope in Jesus. A husband and wife on the brink of divorce showed up but and the husband put his faith in Jesus now they're both given their marriage another shot this works Jesus saves Jesus brings life Jesus brings healing Jesus moves in people Devin devout Hindu Ashley follower of Buddha just in the last couple weeks putting their faith in Jesus three seventh-grade girls Through the friendship of a ninth grader who invested in them, brought them to church, put their faith in the last few weeks. Lauren, who had been prayed over for nine months, she was somebody's light bulb. And Lauren, on Christmas Eve, put her faith in Jesus. In a community group a couple weeks ago, that girl that had been praying for her said, I'm so grateful I've got a Jesus story. For the first time, she stood up and said, I've been praying for this girl that works with us. It's a part of our extended family for nine months. And I was faithful. She wasn't bragging. She was like, I was faithful and I prayed. And she said, and my light bulb is in the room tonight. And she put her faith in Jesus. And then Mark. We, we'll never forget it. And uh, as long as we're here at Passion City Church, we'll never forget just a few months ago, Mark, who was, Louis mentioned in the video, standing right over there before the message that said, I want to put my faith in Jesus. I see him around. I know his son. He was at, pa- both of them were at Passion 2015. He was serving, attending the Phillips gathering, or the gathering at Phillips Arena on Sunday night. Mark saved Mark life in Jesus. Mark different foundation, different trajectory. He has hope in Jesus because Jesus has the power to save. It's not magic, but it works. You call on the name of Jesus. He brings life and then he changes you. And through you, he changes the world for eternity.